Our speaker today is Samuel Ree, co-founder and chairman of Endawas. Sam calls himself a third culture kid, being from Korea, growing up in England and having worked in Hong Kong and Singapore. Despite giving up promotions and bonuses, he still got pushed to the top in his 17 years at Morgan Stanley and became CEO and CIO of Morgan Stanley Investment Management. Sam was a startup founder in his 40s. Let's hear why Sam thinks that Silicon Valley doesn't have all the answers. What do you often see founders do when they begin their startup journey? There's a lot of founders here. You know of a lot of founders. Well, last weekend, I was approached by an engineer who used to be at my company. He had just started a fintech startup and so wanted to meet me. He wanted to learn about the early days of Endowas, how I got that going with Greg, my co-founder, and he wanted to ask for advice. And yes, that's what founders do a lot of. Founders um, go around and meet people and seek advice, especially from people they feel will be helpful uh, to their cause. We also listen to podcasts, watch videos, you know, read books about successful founders in order to glean pearls of wisdom that will help us to become good founders or leaders. But what if I told you that it's not a good idea to get advice from others as a founder? And what if I told you that sometimes advice is the very reason why startups fail? To be honest, I was the same when I began. You know, I was, uh, as Naveen kindly introduced, I was uh, a CEO and CIO at Morgan Stanley Investment Management, uh, so I managed teams. Um, but when I started as an accidental entrepreneur in my 40s, I wanted to also learn, so I went and seek and seeked advice from other people. And uh, a lot of the questions were answered by people that were very highly successful, and I thought that they would have better answers. However, I soon realized that the ready-made answers and the one-size-fits-all answers were actually not that helpful to me. Instead of just blindly seeking advice, I learned to approach the startup journey from the basis of first principles. If we give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. You teach that man how to fish, and you feed him for a life. I think as startup founders, we actually uh, often need to be philosophers as much as builders. And we have to really wrestle with the questions of not just why, which is how we got started, but also how. You know, ask ourselves how we build this in the right way, rather than ask others what made you successful. You know, I recently watched a movie about Blackberry. I don't know who's seen the movie. Um, well, it reminded me of this phrase in Silicon Valley, fake it till you make it. And at the start, the founders of BlackBerry didn't really have a product. They went to a telco operator, kind of like made up this, you know, scramble thing, and they got away with it. And that actually became a part of their culture. But it also became their downfall, because when the iPhone arrived with its fancy touchscreen and its mobile apps, they weren't ready. And they tried to sell a product that they didn't have to the telco, and it led to the demise of the company. Um, Faking it worked for a while, but it is always going to be found out. BlackBerry is now a forgotten brand. It used to be worth over $50 billion, but it's a fraction of that value now. When the tide goes out, we soon find out who's been swimming naked. These are familiar faces that you may know from Theranos to FTX to Frank, which is a fintech company that lied about its customers to JP Morgan. 
uh, when they were bought out. There's countless fraud cases in Silicon Valley that are creeping up, and sadly, there are a few, an increasing number in Asia too. The fast and loose season of Silicon Valley and VC funding is over, clearly. And it's time to take off our rose-tinted shades and our glorified worship of everything Silicon Valley. You remember the TV series, Silicon Valley? Ended way back in 2019. I get it as a founder, sorry. I get it as a founder, we want to emulate and model success, and that is natural. But the biggest logical fallacy is when we think that what worked what others did to succeed will work for us. And it turns out that it's not just Silicon Valley that doesn't have all the answers. Actually, nobody has all the answers. Not the unicorn founder, not the billion dollar VC investor, and not the CEO of a large global tech company. They don't have the right answers, especially for your questions, your problems, your challenges. That answer is in fact in you. It's in your unique circumstances, and you need to discover that inside of you. We need to write our own unique stories within our own personal journeys that will help us achieve the success we are looking for. This isn't a picture of a child refugee in a war-torn nation. That's actually my daughter, who was about five at the time. I took my family to Korea in the winter of 2018, um, helping a friend who was doing a charity, um, delivering thousands of charcoal briskets. Those are the things that she's carrying. Uh, into the poor, kind of hilly neighborhoods of Seoul on Christmas Day. These are called moon villages, where people cannot afford gas heating. And so they have to rely on these charcoal briskets to survive the brutally cold Korean winter. And let's not forget, Korea is the biggest success story of the last century, right? It has become one of the richest nations in Asia and in the world. But there, I came face to face with the stark reality of a pandemic that is going to engulf the world, and that is old age poverty. Korea, in fact, has just crossed 50% and has the highest old age poverty among the OECD nations. It's not just a problem in Korea, though, and I'm not exaggerating when I say that this is the biggest impending tragedy facing humanity. Imagine a society where you've worked all your life and you worked really hard for that career that you've built, and when you retire, you realize that you actually haven't saved enough money, that you haven't invested it wisely. And as a result, you have to sacrifice the quality of life. And imagine if half of the population or more is living in poverty, what kind of a future is that for our society? This is why Endowas is so missional and purpose-driven in empowering individuals and families to prepare for this future outcome. We need a holistic approach to solve the problem of private and public pension. We need individuals to be more accountable, to be responsible, and improve financial literacy. It's why every member of our team is so passionate and driven by the purpose and mission of the company. Because the why matters when you're trying to change the world. You know, when we were trying to hire our first engineers back in 2017, it was really difficult. But um, when we talked about comp, we wanted to give them ESOP, right, employee stocks, and nobody wanted it. And we quickly figured out why, because until that point in Southeast Asia, not a single company had exited where employees made money. Only in Silicon Valley do employees actually leave, exit, and make millions and tens of millions. So we took this time to approach the concept of ownership, again, from first principles. 
we decided that we actually, you know what, should have a more distributed ownership of the company. We spent a lot of time explaining to our hires that it's critically important for them to own ESOP, take more ownership and shares at this early stage so that we can all benefit from the upside of the company together. And then getting them aligned, obviously, to the mission and vision of the company was critical in doing that. But we actually took a step further. We actually told all these guys that we're gonna open up the seed rounds of the company and encourage you guys to all put your money into the company and invest. You heard me right. We actually hired people and then we asked them for their money. So that was why we were able to bootstrap for four years. We actually didn't have any external funding because the founders and employees put the money in to build the company. Then as time passed, we realized that our employees need some liquidity as they, get with, uh, they meet life, uh, life events. People were getting married, they were buying homes, you know, they were, you know, actually, the most painful thing in Singapore is actually the taxes on your vested ESOP. Um, and so again, we approached this from first principles and decided to come up with a regular secondary transaction where employees can actually find liquidity and sell a piece of that, you know, stake that they had bought. And we had those guys selling a little bit. We had actually other employees saving up for the whole year and buying more shares. And we had new employees who had the opportunity to buy into the company to have more skin in the game. You know, Silicon Valley has a playbook on everything. And you know, the founders and VCs are the ones that are supposed to have this large stake. Um, VCs didn't like the idea of these secondaries because no one had actually ever done this before. But going against the Silicon Valley playbook actually allowed us to build a loyal and more stable team who believed and behaved like actual owners of the business because they are. To be honest, Endowers may not have gotten started because the three co-founders uh, couldn't agree on our ownership split. We all had our reasons. One came up with the original CPF idea. The other was the first to quit. You know, I had the most relevant experience. It was difficult, but we compromised and all of us gave up the right to a bigger stake to make it happen. What helped us again was agreeing on the first principles. We aligned on the fact that whoever contributes to the growth and success of the, com success of the company should have more ownership. And over time, we have adjusted our ownership to reflect that. It was possible also because we had a different time frame in mind. We're not just focused on the next quarter, but we're building for the next quarter of a century. This intertemporal approach to building um, a business provides a different perspective. And that's the concept of delayed gratification. I believe that in this world of instant gratification, delayed gratification is our superpower. It frees us up from the entanglements that ensnare us into short-sightedness and myopic vision. It helps us to build the right mental models and establish the correct worldviews that allow us to better, uh, uh, allows us for better long-term choices that results in everybody winning, not just the investors and not just the founders. If I think about it, that's what investing is. That's what Endows is about. It's about delayed gratification. That's also what some of the most important things in life are about your family, your kids, our faith. It's also what being a startup founder is about. It's about giving up the immediate paycheck, the fancy title at a big company, and I do miss you know, Morgan Stanley's Four Seasons Hotel and our business travel, but we have to do it on our own terms, not what Silicon Valley teaches us and not how other successful founders are doing it. Why? 
because each is a different journey. For every one success story, there is a hundred failure stories. Our journey is different, our purpose is different, our stage of life is different, our goal is different. So that's how we plan to build it, the solution for retirement. From first principles, by asking the why questions, and then the how questions. By focusing on the long-term outcomes and using our superpower. We have patient capital with us, and we are patient in our approach. There is really no simple cheat key for success. Sometimes it's the process and not the answer that is the most invaluable thing you gain. Sometimes it's the journey, not the destination, that is our greatest reward. I'm reminded of my favorite quote by George Bernard Shaw. There are people who look at the things they, the way they are and ask why. And then there are others who look at the way things could be and ask why not. Thank you.